Greetings and salutations, cool cats and cuties. Welcome to the anime podcast of some sort. I am a coughing and congested David Majors. I'm joined by my hopefully healthier and in much better condition co-host, Jack D. Allister. What's up, Jackson? How you doing? Get up, stand up, stand up and grab your headphones because it is hot house time. It's David and Jack. I, I've been working on that for a while. <laughs> you never cease to amaze me. Not a day goes by where I feel like you are just you are just a a supernova, just just bursting out at the seams, and and I I never I never doubt you for a second. And That'll be the creativity, and and I I love it. I'm afraid and, that your child is severely artistic. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry. All, all we can do is cultivate it and help it grow. And we're helping APOS grow because we're bringing on another guest, everybody. And I'd like to welcome uh, from the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, Mr. Andrew Davis. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on APOS. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, Andrew, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we're hopefully going to have a pretty good time talking about all of the the stuff that we like to talk about the the conversations about Japan animation, uh, video games, manga, all of that stuff. For the first time, listeners, this is an anime podcast, sort of. It's kind of about anime for the most part. So let us just jump in with some cartoons. Jack, uh, you've Jeez. actually taken up the role of yours truly, and you're watching way more anime these days than I am. So what you got going on? I am indeed watching quite a bit of anime. I've been catching up on Little Witch Academia because I've been playing the game a little bit more on that later. But what's really caught my attention, and this is thanks to Anna Twitter and all the fantastic reaction pictures that this series seems to be rife with, I checked out an anime that I think, David, might have a kind of style of humor that you might have missed. And I... I have certainly missed. So this is the series called Asobi, Asobase, and you can watch it on Verve and Crunchyroll, all that good, delicious stuff. It's basically just three dumbasses and you just watch them and it's okay. I'll, I'll back up a little bit. You have three schoolgirls. It seems like your average, oh, it's going to be the slice to life. People are doing dumb stuff. But I mean, I think a tone can best be described as in the same episode you get segments where a man describes his life's history where he was captured by aliens and a deadly laser was implanted in his ass and he can no longer use the toilet in any public situation he can't hold down a job because of it and he had to learn how to harness it in the same uh vein as okay i'm gonna really try my best to get the other girls to say poop how do I do that? I'm going to write it on a bunch of slips of paper and really try and get them to pick it out so they have to say it. It's a big mixed bag of stuff. And David, I know uh, it seems kind of an odd thing to say, but not in structure, not in the genre. It's definitely not a shonen or an adventure of any kind. It's definitely slice of life, day to day stuff. But the comedy is so similar in tone to Bobobo. It's uncanny okay you've got my it's attention it's just that kind of rapid non it's that rapid non-stop absurdity mixed with the you know just ever 
everything. It's throwing everything at the at the wall to just uh, make you laugh, along with, like I said, some absolutely killer reaction images. They people are suddenly in realism, gory realism, very upsetting realism, or other kinds of tweaks and uh, changes to the style to really get that excellent comedic reaction goal. Because as we know, the best part of anime comedy can oftentimes be the reaction that lots of the characters have but it's it's really caught my attention i'm about halfway through it and it's just very addicting very funny and i know i'll probably be going back at it once i'm finished with it i just had an amazing realization about a an animated series uh, from days gone by and andrew i'd love you to jump in on this one if you're familiar with it Uh, because jack you described this show as dumbasses in a slice of life and then suddenly it hit me like a bolt of lightning. Beavis a butthead. God damn it, Jack. I love you. I love you so much. I look, man, I I know I know stuff. Listen to me. This is anime Beavis a butthead <laughs> in a school setting with three weird schoolgirls, and you got your regular anime trappings. They've got their characteristics, but they're not especially Moe because they're dumbasses doing ugly things and pulling ugly faces. I'd say Andrew. that's a very accurate comparison. Andrew, Andrew, are you interested in anime Beavis and Butthead? Because <laughs> I, I was just thinking, this this sounds like Beavis and Butthead, and then it start made me start thinking, was Beavis and Butthead a slice of life show? Is Beavis Holy and Butthead crap. a is Beavis and Butthead slice of life? Beavis and Butthead, I Daria, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. I, I'm a big person who enjoys comedy, and I enjoy dark humor, and I enjoy all sorts of humor. And so when anime does humor, because one of the things that happens is that there's tons of animes that do it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And it's complicated, and especially when you're translating it over. And so if something is a Beavis and Butthead type anime... I mean, how many of them are really out there? And it sounds interesting. I mean, I haven't seen it. And, and I mean, I've heard about it. But if it's that, and the fact that it translates over really, really well, and they're, I don't know if they're, they're, they're simulcasting it at any point. But I mean, I, I, it reminds me similar of Dr. Slump before it was really translated over. Where mm. it seems similar to that, where it's got that okay. type of humor and that type of punny humor. And that adult humor mixed in with kind of child humor is what it sounds like at the same time. It is definitely peak anime absurdist comedy. Like I said, I think it's a lot like uh, Boba Bo or like you say, Beavis and Butthead or maybe to bring in another Western thing. And this is a little bit more of uh, my childhood, but I, I did. I did watch Beavis and Butthead. Uh, Captain Underpants with just a little bit more of, you know, less of the immature humor, but there's definitely just if you if you're familiar with that series, there's a lot of all kinds of humor and not just the aforementioned toilet humor that that series is best known for. This is kind of like that. It's just throwing everything for the sake of being funny, you know? If it's funny, do it. That kind of thing. So, Asobiasobase, like I said, I've been watching it on Verve, but it's uh, you know, it's available for streaming legally, so please do do that if you're looking for a laugh it's honestly uncanny how funny this thing is the sub i'm watching it subbed uh i I do not believe there is a dub to my recollection but uh i think it worked really well because the sub the subtitles are pretty excellent it flows really well the characters all have a good voice and it's nice i recommend if you need a laugh 
Awesome. Uh, uh, and Andrew, uh, Jack, in a yeah. second, uh, is there anything that you're watching right now that you might want to tell us about? What have you got going on? What are you watching? So one of the shows that I'm watching is How Not to Summon a Demon Lord. So the the concept is that there's this big video gamer, super nerd, top guy, level like 200 in this game. I think the game's Cross Ravine. And then he gets sucked in because these elf and somebody who's going to eventually become the Demon Lord or has it inside her. Basically, they try to summon a person and they wind up getting, I guess, entrusted to the summoner. And then one thing leads to another. And he's now in this world and everything he's doing is he's like using magic and he's on a quest and they're trying to figure out how to unlike bound them and unbound them from himself and then he goes and he's having relationships and it's kind of etchy a little bit he's got some fan service i don't know if anybody's ever seen i tried to find a i reduct i tried to be a hero but i reductantly had to find a job it's kind of along those lines and it's dealing with this video game and coming into the video game genre and you're sucked into the game similar to overlord but it's a lot more humorous I'm looking at the artwork here, and this is really detailed, uh, like, costuming. That's the thing, I think, about these kinds of MMO-style, you know, genre animes is they don't really go ham with the costumes like they could. These are really detailed, which, you know, makes sense for the genre. (laughs) What I love about it is that you come in and you're thinking it's going to be like a next Overlord or Overlord 2 or Overlord 3, which really deals with a lot of tactical stuff and i'm watching that as well but this kind of takes a much different turn and it takes a more lighthearted, but still the character is sort of a badass nonetheless and he is controlling and he's doing what he wants and people try to challenge him and he just like decimates them and it's just so enjoyable to see this character obliterate everything in his path but still have challenges and kind of he's socially a little bit off and so he's with these two pretty girls. One's an elf, and I forgot what the other one is. She has a tail, and like he's freaking out, and like he's saying, like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm touching her in this way, and he's like, it, "It's just so bizarre because you get this sense that for for him, he's in like the perfect situation that everybody would want to be in, but he can't handle himself in the situation, and he's this powerful monster that can just destroy anything he wants, but he's weak at the same time." And it's just the Labyrinth, the exact opposite of Overlord, which I think is really nice. I guess you could say, I guess you could say then, Andrew, that the only demon that this demon lord can't conquer are the demons in his own heart. (laughs) Yeah! Ah, Jack. Don't, God, don't you change a thing. Don't you change a thing. Um, there is something that I saw here uh, on on your notes here, Jack. That I I caught a couple of days ago, and uh, I saw oh, yeah. this. Uh, it's a game. Uh, it it looked like kind of a modern day RPG kind of feel. Uh, I won't say the other video game that starts with a U. Uh, but I'm talking about Underhero. Uh, you you oh, yeah. you caught this one, and uh-huh. you you have here saying your Cuphead of the Year. Now, yes. Jack, uh, regular listeners of the old APOS know that Jack loves himself some Cuphead. Uh, so this is some pretty oh. high praise uh, coming from you. So uh, tell us a little bit about Underhero, and, and I'll I'll give my, my quick take on it, too. 
I am so glad to hear that you have been hearing about this, David, because I really want everybody in the entire world who's ever played a game to at least take a look at this game because it is absolutely everything that Jack once checked on the aesthetics, gameplay, everything checklist. David, this is Paper Mario 4 because we all know nothing happened after that Wii game. Right? Anyway. Uh, I'll take your word for it as a Sega kid. (laughs) I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People out there know exactly what my silence speaks. My my silence speaks very big, massive volumes. Now, Under Hero is a simple tale to begin with. You uh, control the hero. He's right at the gates of Mr. Stitch's castle. He's about to take him down. I should add that Lord Stitch's castle in a lot of the game has a lot of the kind of Yoshi's Island colorful but dark aesthetic to it. It's really nice, but there's there's a lot of different inspirations here. I can see he's taken siege of the castle and whoops, chandelier falls on him. And it turns out that one of the kind of simulacrums of a shy guy Goomba kind of thing grabs the magic hilt left over from the hero's belongings and ends up having to take over his quest. However, the character you now control is a literal villain that clocks in and clocks out he is a punch clock villain and you have to basically work under your boss's nose to complete the operation that this magical hilt is now telling you you have to overcome and also your character has doubts about this while they don't speak out loud because silent protagonist you do get to take a look at their thoughts and emotions throughout the game in a little journal, which is a really nice touch. The game is filled with so many great little animations, and but the real saving grace here, the really exciting thing, aside from the charm of it, Dave, is the gameplay. Every area has been really solid in many different ways, and I'm and seeing... I see platforming! There's platforming? This game feels to me like, not only were they citing... Paper Mario as the main franchise they were interested in, but it seems to me music-wise, charm-wise, and the platforming, they've really focused on what I believe to be the most underrated in that uh, series, which is the Wii one, Super Paper Mario, which is that kind of 2D platforming. But David, I just got finished with the third area, which heavily features an underwater segment that involves speeding up and controlling your direction and velocity and it's almost like they kind of tweaked Sonic gameplay into an utter underwater kind of environment. It's crazy. And you know how Sonic is with water, for the most part. Oh, do I? Do I ever? Uh, um, that's the are best there alarm sound I've ever heard. Uh, there there's bubbles? little whirlpools that you basically travel through, and they basically treat you like a little sonic after you get through them they spin dash and you can pass through them again to build up your speed and this game feels really nice to control i'd be really interested in seeing if there's a speed run community for the game and i might get in on that actually because i'm finding some interesting ways you can well, i would imagine there is jack I-, I would imagine that there is or there will be since it does look like this game is pretty fresh out of the box oh yeah so you it can is- jump on this early brand spanking but just came out yeah under hero is 
man, David, they took all my favorite games, it seems like. It really does. Like, do you like Yoshi's Island? Yes. Do you like Paper Mario? Yes. Did you like the platforming in the third Paper Mario? Yes. Did you like the speeding, uh, uh, speedy gameplay of Sonic? Yes. Do you like Rayman's aesthetic? Yes. Do you like promotional art that looks like Majora's Mask? Yes. They're just throwing everything at me, David. I feel no, I'd, like I'm I'd being s- watched. I'd even sprinkle a little bit of Castlevania on top of this, too. The second area is entirely Castlevania. Entirely. Like, it's pretty much just this very massive non-linear maze to travel through. Big Lord's Castle, it is there. It's absolutely there. Soundtrack is incredible. Lots of, you know, variants of tunes. There's some chiptune, full orchestration uh, pieces. Just, this game's 15 bucks. Why is it not in your Steam library right now, people? I'm absolutely... Probably just came out. That's probably why. I mean, I'm curious. Like, who made this game? This is um, this is a developer called Paper Castle Games. I mean, I'm not exactly familiar with video games, but this seems like I was just looking at the art on it, and it looks amazing. It it animates really well in game. I'm having a little bit of trouble with some areas just because there's a lot of assets on the screen. But I'm sure if you're playing on an actual gaming computer, it's probably not going to be an issue. Uh, the thing I didn't mention was the battle system. I just want to. Uh, tell you guys a little bit about it because it's very exciting the big thing about the paper mario series is being able to read your opponents and sometimes dodge them and time your attacks all that kind of thing but you have to take these blessed turns oh boy i don't want to take turns how about we give you a stamina gauge on the side of your character and everything costs points so you use your stamina gauge which is constantly filling to your advantage do you want to go ahead guns blazing with a big flurry of sword attacks or are you going to be a little bit more cautious and maybe uh, have a little bit of your stamina in reserve in case you need to parry or block with your shield or all that kind of stuff it's really satisfying it's really interesting to play through it can get a little bit tedious but you know they balance everything with the levels and the way that your character powers up and everything like that so it's not terribly frustrating it's a really good difficulty spike and they're doing a really good job with only three areas and i'm on a sort of fourth one now i won't say much but it's definitely a dense little game with a lot of fun surprises and mini games i really don't want to say more aside from have you played a platformer are you familiar with the general idea of the mario universe are you familiar with enemies that you have to fight in a video game You've beaten them a million times. You've beaten the kobolds. You've beaten the slimes. Play as one. It's really exciting to play. Gotta say. Please play Under Hero. I'll put this in the show notes. Tell me about Um, it. I'd like to talk to you. I I am intrigued. And in a perfect world, this will catch on like fire, like Cuphead, and hopefully will be put on other platforms. Uh, I hope so. It would be great. I'm definitely interested. Uh, Andrew? Um, if you're interested, uh, I'll ask, uh, are you playing anything right now? What have you got, uh, video game wise? Do you have anything? So I went on a very interesting quest and this quest is going to continue this weekend where I convinced my dad to pick up Madden uh, for my Xbox one X. And so oh. I'm teaching my father how to play video games and play Madden 19. So, uh, that that's my nice. latest task. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to happen this weekend. Does he have a team? No, we, we haven't gotten that far. And we're going to go through some exhibit matches. And uh, I'm teaching a 
plus year old man how to play video games who's never played video games. So I, that's my. I did that with my games. dad, uh, with with Tekken a little bit, and uh, a few golf games uh, like Tiger Woods Golf back in the day. And and it is an adventure. It's definitely an adventure. And mm-hmm. I I would love to hear about this if if you're gonna write something about it or or tell us about it that that would be that would be definitely awesome. I look forward to to reading or hearing about that in the future. Uh, if he's got a team that he wants to play and if he learns how to run the plays in Madden, uh, that 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 sounds really. really it's cool it's very interesting. I put it up on Facebook when I first got Madden two weeks ago and a bunch of my friends pretty much gave me all this support and a bunch of people shot me messages on Facebook saying, Hey, good luck. You know, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're not going to do. So I have a support group to help me through this challenge. And so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I'm sure they're going to keep me informed on how to do it when I give them a status update. And it's going to be very interesting. And I'm very excited because it's bizarre where there is a difference where my generation, I'm 25, is grew up on video games and my father is not in that generation. And so it's very interesting how that's going to fly. And then I'm just even. But he knows football. So he. So he's at least got that foundation, right? When, when, when the Giants are winning, he knows football. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um. See, the th- I'm just the remembering thing- a time when I I set my dad. Go ahead, Jack. You first. Uh, okay, thank you. I was just thinking of a time when uh, I set my dad in front of the N64 and foolishly thought that the best game to begin with in 3D for my dad, who is familiar mostly with Donkey Kong Country, would be to place, uh, get play Mario Kart Mario Party, and uh, no. Everybody takes turns. He was, I just remember him <laughs> impotently just kind of fumbling with the entire controller. Like, what, what, what's going on? What are we doing? Where am I going? Why am I not playing anything? Until his turn showed up. And that's just making me think of that. I tried I, I teaching can... my father Call of Duty. Oh, no. And that was a nightmare. And yeah. meanwhile, this is on a GameCube. This is on a GameCube. And the only the only cool thing out of that was that I got Call of Duty on a GameCube World War II for free, and he tried to play it, and it was a nightmare. And oh my god, just 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 never again, never again, just never again. Please, I would rather go to D Day than teach him how to play again. It was that bad. Now, would you would you say that the goal is to kind of have him like play a season? Is that kind of like what do you think the end goal would be for him? Like to play a season with a team, or or play a few legends games, or play the story mode? What do you think the the end goal is for for your dad playing Madden? I think I think the goal is to really play. I guess the franchise mode. I think it is where you got to win your team captain. I think that would be the ideal to start with, and then. Maybe we'll work up to a season because, I mean, he only sees me maybe eight or nine times a year. And so it's not really a season thing. It's more along the lines that maybe like he would play offense and then we would just play against each other. And I just want to be able to play like maybe like a a seven minute quarter game. So it's just so really like 28 minutes, if my math is correct, game or a half an hour and just kind of have it be competitive and he doesn't and he knows what he's doing and have just a nice time because 
what what I've learned is that if I get him to buy video games, maybe he'll buy something else, and then I get I don't have to spend money on it, and I get a game for free. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. I mean, it's it's true, and I'm playing Madden, and I'm doing my own thing about it. And so if if I get him involved, then it kind of gets fun. And it's something that oh, you know, it's just something to do. That's different, and it could be fun. And you know, it is. Who knows where it'll lead? But the idea is just to play like a competitive game between the two of us. I have two controllers and get him to the point where he can do it. And I think I think he can do it. And also for him to understand this like pop culture sphere, because I got him into other things that I'm interested in, like comic books and a little bit of anime and more more comic book stuff and things like that. And I got him into reading graphic novels. So now if he understands video games, you know, he has a bigger perception of who I am. Not that he doesn't know me. But but he he now is exposed to another aspect of my life, and so that's the theory behind it. And I think that is a good way for parents and kids to bond and understand one another. It was something that I did with with golf with my dad. Uh, it, again, like I said, it was Tiger Woods golf in the early days of the the PlayStation era, uh, and and going all the way back to the Sega Genesis with Pebble Beach golf links. Because my dad was a big, big golfer. And that that was something that he really appreciated. He appreciated that there would be games like NBA 2K or Madden where he could see on the screen where it felt like for a split second it was that uncanny valley. And he really grew to appreciate that. And he he, he would say that he would know that I would go to conventions and, and he'd get what anime and animation is. And he, he was the first one to introduce me to, to cartoons. And also my dad was the big wrestling fan in the house early on. Uh, he, he was the one that knew who Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan and Nikolai Volkov were back in the day until I eventually picked it up from him and he was the biggest Undertaker fan you'll ever meet in your life. So I definitely get it. That is something. And this this actually does sound really cool. It really does sound cool. Like, I, I hope that, that there comes a time where we can follow up on this, Andrew. And your dad's, like, playing a season by himself. Because that just sounds awesome. It really, really does. Well, what I should really do... And it might take some convincing is I should just create a Twitch account for it and just yes. load up the Twitch account and just game let it dad. go. Let 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 it go from, from 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 like the first game all the way up to progression and make it like a project and the whole point of the project. And I'm just thinking on my feet. This may or may not happen, I, but I think I got a title. So cool. I got a title. Dad plays Madden. Dad plays Madden. <laughs> Because cause I think it would just be so cool because how many times do you actually get to see a progression of something in a certain order and in a certain segment that typically you don't? And I'm not doing it for, for the money. I just think it would be a really cool project because you don't see that. I don't think anybody's done that on Twitch. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not on Twitch at all. So I don't know if somebody's done that already, but that's not something that, that that we normally see. And I think it would just be so interesting. And it kind of proves a point that, look, anybody can do this and it's a way to connect. And it's kind of a cool journey. 
That that is a cool journey. I I think that sounds amazing. That does sound amazing. Um, something else that does sound amazing, uh, Jack. I know I caught this story, and I know this is this is right in your wheelhouse. This is your account. Uh, we got some news on Osumatsu-san, Mr. Osumatsu. And it's finally it's get- getting a dub. It's getting a dub. Uh-huh. And here's it. It was announced by Viz, and uh, you can go ahead and run down this dub cast. And uh, I don't know if you you caught a yeah. preview or heard any clips yet. Uh, but what do you think about this? I have not, but I did a little bit of research. I knew one going in, but uh, I just want to quickly ask Andrew: Are you familiar at all with Osamatsu-san? It was kind of a weird phenomenon in 2016. Kind of grabbed a lot of people's attention for being just plain hilarious. I know the first season. I haven't seen any more, and it's not that I don't like it. I mean, I've watched obviously the sub. I haven't seen for sure. Cause there's no sure. dub. There is. Yet. I don't think there is anything yet. And so I watched the first season in a sub. I enjoyed it, but I just haven't gotten back to it. Not because I don't like it, but just I watch a of bunch course. of anime and I'm busy and life happens. So you are familiar with the fact that it stars six. Uh, sex tuplets that look basically identical aside from occasionally wearing different colored style clothing. Uh, so for people out there who aren't familiar, that is what it's about. And it's based off of an old 1960s manga made by and now unfortunately passed away mangaka. But we honor his dream and we continue on with irreverent comedy. And so you might imagine it's you got to have six distinct voices for six characters that are basically the same design. So I'll run down these and give a quick rundown of the characters again. You got the eldest Oso, who is really into gambling and uh, girls and all that kind of stuff. And that is going to be provided. uh, The voice will be provided by Billy Kamitz, who has been best known in recent uh, for his uh, his portrayal of Josuke in Joda's Bizarre Adventure Diamonds Unbreakable. So he was actually... Uh, he's got some leading man quality, so I'm looking forward to that. He was also in Fate Stay, but I'm not familiar, or Fate Extra, I'm not familiar with any of that series, but he's apparently been, uh, oh no, that's coming up, that's coming up, okay, but uh, a lot of these guys are actually fairly younger, which is really interesting and refreshing to see, but they've still got some clout. I know there's going to be one who's really interesting here to you, David, and that is Karamatsu, aka the smooth-talking I think I'm so great, even though I am a total freak. That is going to be portrayed by Ray Chase, who, David, you might know as Dr. Keith Flick on Be the Beginning. I know you are a big fan of that. I think that's going to fit him really well. I'd love to hear that kind of performance in a comedic sense. I'm really looking forward to that. (laughs) Almost more than anything. A lot of these guys also do stuff for... Uh, One Punch Man, I'll get into a little bit more of that. Mob Psycho, a lot of them are uh, in that as well. And a lot of them also do voices for OKKO. I'm sure that means something to somebody somewhere. Uh, Moving down the line, the nerdy, idol-obsessed Choromatsu will be provided by the voice will be uh, good old Christopher Neosi, who might be best known as Arataka Regan in Mob Psycho 100. And also, David, I know this will be relevant to you he was in iron-blooded orphans mobile suit gundam as Saverin yeah. Canelli. is that how you say it okay yep Saverin. yeah so that's excellent and i'm seeing more okko down here <laughs> there's just a lot of them 
uh, Ichimatsu. So, so this is definitely glum. a New York production, especially by yes. one guy in particular who I know is kind of the head of the, the New York voice acting community. Indeed. Uh, we've got this one also made me really happy just because I really liked this guy's performance in Cross Tag Battle. Uh, Kyle McCarley will be Ichimatsu, the kind of mysterious, cat-loving fourth brother. He has provided the voice of Hyde in Cross Tag Battle, which is the main character from the Under Night series that makes an appearance in that. So he's pretty great. Uh, what else do I have listed here for him? Uh, he is Kageyama in my Mob Psycho 100. So yeah, a lot of these guys are kind of almost seem like they're uh, cycling through. Okay, here we go. Devilman Crybaby. He's actually Rio Asuka, which I thought was great. So this is there's a lot of Netflix people, and I don't know. I'm really great. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Jushimatsu, the wild card, everybody's favorite goofball will be Michael Sinter Nicholas, which I know, and this was the one I knew. Deep Venture. Which, oh yes. man, Venture Brothers Season 7. Who is watching Venture Brothers Season 7? May I just say, yeah, that man. is going fantastically. So I'm very excited. He's actually done and then uh, finally quite, we, a, quite a bit uh, on the anime side of things. He is very uh, prolific. Yeah. And like I said, as far as the, the New York voice acting side of things, he, he's like one of the head honchos on the New York side of things in terms of uh, voice acting and, and directing and having a pretty close connection with Viz Media and the other big companies. So, and, and what what's crazy about you know uh, Michael right now is that that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, he he's just coming off, and it might be a little bit of a year shy, but he's just coming off of uh, your name. Yeah. And so and so, I mean, right. he he's a, he's very big, and I mean, I, I don't mean to take away from him, but. You're looking at all six of these. I mean, they're all coming off big projects right now. Mm-hmm. And that that's what's crazy, which means that the studio uh, on the American side is putting big money into this. And that that's a good sign for this show. Yeah. That there is a real, you know, they're, they're saying we want to go into season two. And I don't know if there's a season three for it, but when when you have a cast like this it's it's a sign that they recognize that this is a popular show and that this is something that they want to put money behind because they want to put their best foot forward and you sometimes see that with animes where sometimes a show doesn't do that and you see what happens with that and this is a good sign now this thing could completely bomb this show actually beat out uh, attack on titan in japan so I think that might be part of the reason why they're throwing so much money at it. Not year one of Attack. No. Not, not year no, one. No, not year one, but when it, when it released, 2016, Osamatsu yes, blasted onto the scene. Yes. And, uh, it, you it know, it's everywhere. It, it, it got up there in merchandising with One Punch Man, which I just want to uh, round off the cast here. Max middleman of course as the dub voice of saitama in one punch man so uh they they have a lot of people on board with that have a lot of prolific uh you know they're young but they've got a lot of uh really heavy roles under their belts and i'm just really excited i know andrew that you're familiar with the show and everything so you know that it's got a a lot of evidence it's got kind of a heavy emphasis on a lot of japanese humor Kind of, uh, you know, some puns and language-based stuff. 
Uh, are you thinking anything might be lost in translation or any kind of direction that you're curious that they might take with the show in the dub localization? So, so I mean, I'm going to back up because because I think this is going to provide insight. What winds up happening with with animes, and I think this is going to answer the question, is that a lot of times is you have an ADR writer or you have a script writer, and I don't know who's writing that script because if they have a really good script writer, they'll 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 do one of two things: it either they know that the fan base will be into the Japanese humor, or they will localize it. So that I wouldn't be surprised if it is America. Michael Center Nicholas, guys. Because that, would, that is something say. that he's he's had hands in in a lot of different projects. So uh, and he's for him being as savvy as he is, I would not be surprised if it's him. And it's probably a good balance of both, because I think that a lot of shows that are really heavy on Japan centric humor when they transfer over to the West, uh, it's. I always think that you can have the Japanese humor, but also throwing in a few jokes that translate better also works well. So, per- but, but he's a pretty example, savvy guy. Per perfect example of what happens is that everybody knows Pokemon. So mm. there are things in the Japanese version of Pokemon that don't make sense in America, and so they just modernized it. And one of the challenges is that it's it's not an easy thing to do, but if a show has such a following, it's they they, they just might bite the bullet or because because it gets tricky with something like this. And so I think pieces might be, but I don't think that the core is going to be missing. I think we're just going to get peripherals that really have no meaning or any major change because when when a manga goes to an anime and then the anime gets translated into English, you start getting degrees of separation and you start losing some stuff. And you see it in a lot of animes. You see it partially in Attack on Titan, which is, I mean, season three of that show is doing amazing. And you, but there are pieces that are missing from that, that the manga delivers really nicely. And even, you know, when, when they put it and simulcast it in America, there's going to be pieces missing. From, from that, but at the same time, because I don't know, and, and the other thing with this show is that they're they're on, are they on season three of this show? Of Attack uh, on Titan? Uh, of, of, uh, Osomatsu, is, Osomatsu has two seasons, and I mean, they took their sweet time with season two, but I would say that there, there be, might be a likelihood that there could be a season three, just because of how gangbusters it, it is for you know, the merch market and everything, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah, re- like for a comedy re- anime, it seems like two seasons might be the max, but you know, if it gets a third season, I won't be surprised. The reason Still why I'm waiting asked, on season two of Pop Team Epic. Right? The, re- and the, reason, the, the, the reason why I asked that is because when a show is being simulcast, they have very little time where typically the show gets simulcasted episode one of the simulcast happens in week four of the show. So they might have two episodes ahead to kind of figure out what that character is. So for Attack on Titan, I don't know if it's being simulcasted, but, you know, if they're doing, if episode 47 just came out, they're on episode maybe 43 or 44. And so in, in, in the simulcast, and that's just an example. And so with this show, the first season's done and they've seen how the second season goes 
And so that provides a major advantage for actually dubbing it and actually producing it because they now understand where these characters have evolved to. The comedy has evolved to. Oh, they don't evolve. I, I'm going to stop you right there. They don't evolve. I'm sorry. I have to stop you right there. I, I don't mean they in don't. the sense. I don't mean it. <laughs> I don't mean in the sense of um, like like you, you get a progression of story. I mean that you come. They have the ability to come into the character where they you get, understand they get the range of the character. Where yeah. they understand the character doesn't change from episode one to episode five. And that, that's a big advantage for, for all six of the voice actors right now in this. And that's something that really works and is going to work in the show's favor. And it's really nice that Viz announced it. The only thing that I'm really curious, I mean, aside from the fact that they've only listed the main six, which, you know, the flagship characters, I'm really interested in seeing who they'll get for some of the side characters like Yami, Dekapon, and Dion. That will be interesting to see uh but also i'd like to see uh personally that they kind of take what humor is there and just kind of build around it when maybe something doesn't quite translate to give it its own kind of identity there was a very lambasted example of that which i still think that the dub of which if you just watch it and you know try and distance yourself away from you know, the fan base, again, it, it's, it is what it is. Some people can do it, some people can't. But the dub of Hitalia did exactly that, where it took stuff that didn't quite work from the vanilla manga, the uh, Japanese dub in the anime that were pretty much not very excellent jokes, or they just didn't translate well, or however, it's just very dry humor, and just turned up the satire to 11 you know take in all the cultural jokes and the accent humor and that kind of thing and you know it's hit or miss with people and it can be disorienting and obnoxious but it took it in a fresh direction aside from okay we have this very kind of japanese-centric show where there's a lot of things like that uh playing off of each other i don't know it'd be interesting to see what happens but i'm just happy that i finally get to hear about this and i'm very happy david shared this with me and are you excited that there's going to be a movie that's coming out in 2019 for this also indeed indeed and there's also i believe uh they will possibly uh port the game over here and i would really hope so because the game i don't know too much about it but i don't know i like having well, games jack Jack, maybe, just maybe, if this does really well, you might get to see the movie in theaters. Because nowadays... I would love that, because I miss Perfect Blue. You did. You miss Perfect Blue? Oh, man. I wanted to see it so bad, and I ended up working that day and spaced and went, oh, it'll, it'll be there tomorrow. The same thing happened when I tried to see the new Greg Sestero, Tommy Wiseau film. I think I'm just cursed. But <laughs> some people well, aren't, and they made their butts in the seats for anime theatrical releases they are speaking of uh anime companies putting money behind things uh there have been uh an uptick of theatrical releases for anime uh like jack said perfect blue had a short theatrical release and it generated some money seemed to do well uh and coming up in october uh and in the end of september my neighbor totoro will be celebrating its 30th anniversary and getting a short theatrical release here in the U.S. And uh, also the the mighty juggernaut, Yuri on Ice, will be getting a theatrical run of the entire series on October what? 13th in selected theaters. 
hey, honey, do you want to go on a date and watch an entire anime with me at the movies? And what's, what? what's crazier is that starting in the U.S. from September 25th to October 2nd, you're getting the My Hero Academia movie is being in mm-hmm. theaters, which I'm going to tomorrow. So that's even better. Oh, yeah. Have lots of fun. I know some people who are doing the same. You know, fun fact, I've never seen My Neighbor Totoro. So this might be my opportunity. And I think that might be what they're thinking is, oh, this is kind of an older movie. And some kids are probably too young to have seen it. And some idiot probably didn't see it. And it was, yeah. Like, come on, guys. This I mean, is a they, good idea. They did the same thing with Ponyo when that came out, in which that, that had a very successful run. And just recently, within the last year, they did Grave of the Fireflies for its anniversary. I Does mean, it seem think- like nowadays where we are, there seems to be more and more of these theatrical anime releases? I remember not even two years ago where when an anime, any anime, was getting a theatrical release, even in limited showings, it was it was a big deal. But yeah, now it wasn't very often. this this is picking up more and more. Uh, is this a is this a trend or has it already become a thing? Are, are we mean, going I, to see I, I are we going to see me. like short series like a Yuri on Ice in theaters for for its entirety? Uh, are we going to see more movies like this? I mean, I think for me what it is is that I think culture has changed and and, and I think it goes back to to the con scene to to some degree what what's happened at least in, in my generation. I've been going to anime con since I was like 14 and I'm 25 now. So for 11 years and when I was 14, that community was a lot smaller. And I think now I'm 25. That community is almost triple or quadruple the size. And that's me giving a very conservative estimate on it. And And I can say, I can say that when I, uh, because I've been going to conventions just about as long uh, I know that when I go to some of these uh, theater releases uh, in my area locally, I often see a lot of the same people that go to conventions. Uh, and, and it's kind of like they become little mini convention gatherings. And, and this is this is one of those ways where fan communities can have little bits uh, sprinkled in between big conventions. So I definitely get where you're coming from on that one. And it seems like there's a market here. There's definitely a market. And and you know what is? I think it's just fun. And I think that because a lot of this stuff, we we live in an age that legally or illegally, you can get whatever you want, more or less as far as anime is concerned. I mean, we live in the age of Crunchyroll. There's Netflix. There's Hulu. There's VR, whatever it is. And, and, and there's HD Live, and then there's a bunch of others, and there's a bunch of international ones that you can get your hands on. So you can, I can get the My Hero Academia movie that I'm going to see tomorrow if I wanted to. But there's something about going to it. There's something about also, I think fans want to support things, and I think that fans want to care. I always say there ain't nothing like a night at the theater and whether that be a movie theater or an actual stage theater, I, you know, the, the, the ambiance, the dark, it really works. I've been sitting here thinking about something just, you know, after my reaction, I, I'm really thinking about the idea of having 
a series play in a theater. Not necessarily Yuri on Ice. In fact, absolutely not Yuri on Ice. And I'm not even thinking anime, which is, you know, blasphemous of me. But we are the anime podcast of some sort. But I'm thinking stuff like, I mean, this does include anime like Be the Beginning, Devilman Crybaby. But I'm thinking a lot of Netflix shows and sort of long-form television that have a lot of continuity might be really interesting to show in theaters. I'm thinking just because I'm fresh off of watching it over the second time, season five, uh, Bojack Horseman. If you have, you know, I mean, that's on Comedy Central, so that's whatever. But I'm just thinking of, you know, these heavy continuity shows uh, might be really interesting to see. And again, like I think of the con scene and I think of watching Stardust Crusaders with a bunch of strangers all getting hype in a you know, dark room at Fanime. That's a big experience. A lot of people love JoJo and it's a great way to connect with an audience. You know, you laugh together, you experience it. It's I think a Jack, hell of a lot that, more fun than being in the dark around with a blanket around you. <laughs> I th- and, and that's a great point. I think nowadays a lot of this fandom, a lot of this fandom kind of forgets the idea of the shared experience with others. Because so much of this is very isolated and introverted uh, to a lot of degree. A lot of us are enjoying this medium at home on our computers or on our, on our TV screens. But when it is, when there is an opportunity to go to a theater and watch on a big screen and be around a bunch of like minded people, it is such a refreshing feeling that I think people are starting to realize that the idea of a community, emphasis on that word, is something really, really refreshing and exciting. And I love the idea that people can go to these things and enjoy them with one another and make friends and meet new people and enjoy anime together to and it doesn't just have to be like once or twice a year at a convention and and i love that thought to to me that is such a it is such a positive feeling and i really do hope this continues exactly and and i also think that it's in many ways a way to introduce people who are not familiar to anime to anime and that it in a sense legitimizes it i mean there's no faster way how to legitimize something than to put it on a national stage of some sort. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's major. I don't know how many theaters are in the U.S., but I think, like, I'm using the My Hero Academia. It's playing for pretty much a week, and it's in, I think, 400 or 500 theaters across the United States. And so I, I don't know if you call that national, but it's definitely regional. To... to put it politely if not if not national and that's something that i think you know you come into a movie theater and then you see oh what is this my hero academia and then people are coming into a theater and people say wait a second anime is not just this thing that it once was and i think it's actually really good for the industry to have that and to have that saying hey you can go see this movie that's out there but our movie is also playing you know, our release, while it only might be out for a week, is also playing. And then I don't know what movie is out there, but it's right in the same theater. And I think it legitimizes it and to some degree raises up the anime. And it kind of breaks the stigma of that 
anime is, is a form of cartooning. To yeah. To put it bluntly. And I think it's, it's, a, a, it's an art form, not a genre. And so I think it kind of says this is serious. This is competing. This is kind of punching up, for lack of a better word. And I think that's something that's good for the industry. I think it's good for the business. In a perfect world, I'd love to see. Well, I was about to say Blockbuster Video. Ain't I just full of surprises? Hashtag old man Jack. Old man Jack watching Beavis and Butthead and playing PGA Pro Golf 98 <laughs> on my MS-DOS and the Simpsons arcade game and trying to save Blockbuster. No, I'd love to see. I, I could have know, sworn, DVD. Jack, I'm the one that just turned 34, not you. <laughs> I know. You got me beat by a whole decade and somehow I'm I'm alongside you. I think it, you know, it comes down to who raised you. <laughs> True. But, uh... I'd love to see, you know, record stores. That That's why I thought Blockbusters or Best Buys, you know, places you can buy DVDs, places like that. Or even, you know, the streaming sites, places that are going to start compartmentalizing things. Okay, go buy drama, go buy this, go buy that. You know, right now we have the anime section and animation sections. And my dream that I know I might never see in my lifetime is that those animation and anime boxes will be gone and if something is an action animated film it'll go in the action section etc 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 my my lifelong dream again that doesn't help in the modern sense of oh I want all my anime in one place but I mean that's what grudgy rolls for I just want animation to be more mainstream in general not just anime but every I mean, well, to Jack, we'll get into. Yeah, I was gonna go into uh, the next story. Uh, okay, yeah, so th- this one, this one does have action, and it is mainstream, but and it's um, not necessarily Japanese, but it's anime-like. It's it's the Japanese code in which that. Uh, can I explain? So, so, so Avatar, Ruby, Witch Hunter D are not anime. They're American-made, no. but they are in the anime they're setting. Cartoons. And there, there's a rule in anime called the Avatar rule. Legitly, Avatar The Last Airbender, which is what I think we're going to be talking about, Indeed. set that rule where if something qualifies with certain traits, follows the style, follows certain principles, it is considered to be in the anime family. And it's perfectly acceptable at an anime con. Versus well, then I'm totally movie. including the Castlevania Netflix show. Something like Adventure Time is not an anime. Something like Avatar no. Last Airbender, Ruby, Witch Hunter D is more in the anime field and typically is acceptable. And it's called it the has Avatar the aesthetic. Coral. So everybody's favorite rock show is not an anime. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not sorry. No, Doubling down. I'm never sorry. I don't care how many Utena frames you traced over. <laughs> Lazy. It's so true. It's so oh, true, my. and you're ruining oh, your animator's God. livelihood. You're ruining it. You're killing me, Parker. Let's 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 go back to Avatar for a second. Avatar. Jack, um, Andrew. I'm sorry. I got to admit, with this announcement of a live action adaptation of the Avatar: The broke. Last Airbender, the internet did break, and I think feelings were fractured. I'm a I, I lean towards feeling like this is a bad idea. 
this is a mistake because yeah I'm, I'm, something I'm, I'm about torn. I'm torn. live action and avatar the last airbender no no i mean i heard supposedly there was a movie one time but i never heard anyone talk about it okay and we're not I'm gonna, gonna talk about right it here now. Nope. no no nope but i'm gonna get into my rant because i've gotta get it off my chest real quick here so devil's advocate for this idea since the original creators are on board with this, they are they are looking for, you know, appropriate, uh, you know, casting. Everybody needs to look the part and, you know, be, you know, everything aesthetically. They're, they're working hard on this. So I appreciate that they are going to the links to make fans happy. Comfort- however, comma. Comfortable. Comfortable however, store. comma. Yeah. However, comma. They said something that really pissed me off. So I'm going to be a little disrespectful well what did they say just so everybody knows boy i will I'm so glad that we if get you get too to... disrespectful i'll turn into Stephen a smith but but go ahead oh, yeah. no 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 you'll you'll know you'll know <clears throat> these guys pretty much basically say i'm so glad we get to do this the way that we really want it to be told now in live action it's basically the implication being 2d animation couldn't give us what we wanted it is that is so So, absurd i'm going to say this right here and now uh the aforementioned movie that didn't exist had a fantastic aesthetic and it just was a bad adaptation in terms of story but it looked nice and you wish you could make make anything look that nice michael dimartino and brian i'm sorry so I'm torn on this, and the reason why I'm torn is Avatar The Last Airbender was amazing, and it was something fresh, and I don't think that many people were exposed to anything remotely like it when it first came out, and all 61 episodes were really well done, and it was a beautiful show. And then they did Korra, oh. and, 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 and Korra oh, took me... Oh, Andrew. It... it, it, it it took me a while to get on board with Korra because I felt that Avatar The Last Airbender was perfect. And there's a concept that if you have something that that is perfect, to, to why would you even attempt a sequel? And I felt like they were yeah, trying to yeah. grab money. I didn't have an issue with the graphic novels. I thought the graphic novels were a good idea. I thought they were a cool idea. I thought that it didn't hurt Avatar The Last Airbender and what it's set to establish. Think because like Nikora does, and 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 uh, I mean, I mentioned that there's something called the Avatar rule. Before Avatar, that rule didn't exist, and it wasn't a fair term. It, it is legit. It is a rule at anime cons, and Avatar set that up, and that's the legacy of Avatar. Maybe with other things too, and everything that that it projects out there, but it opened up a door, you know, you know, and so I feel that. It took me a while to get on board with Korra, and I like Korra. I, I, I enjoyed Korra because I thought that, especially season three of Korra, I thought was was the best season out of all of them because I liked the philosophical situation with the Avatar and the discussions of that because that's something that Avatar The Last Airbender didn't deal with. But I also felt that Korra was a money grab. I just and, felt that Korra oh, just kind of... I- poorly developed on the world i didn't feel like it was a believable 
progression of the universe i i wasn't on i board i with feel it. It like it didn't excite it me at was, all and i can't I honestly get feel like character i really character. feel like it was really well done jack i really do and I guess I'm in the minority here where I say I enjoyed more than a few of the characters in Korra. Quite a bit, actually. I'm not saying that that, that I didn't like Korra. I, I enjoyed oh, Korra. But, 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 but there, there, there are problems with Korra, and there, the, the, the problem Well, it wasn't perfect, for sure. I, I felt that it was a money grab. It took me about three years, so it took me right when season four was coming out to really get into it. And I felt that it was a money grab. I felt that... I felt... It, I was just super enthusiastic that we were getting more from this universe. That That's just how I felt about it. Because it felt like the gap between The Last Airbender and Korra was so long. And I was just really happy to get this series. And I feel like I probably should be saying the same thing about this upcoming adaptation and it's going to be on netflix and it's it's already a few years away uh, maybe i should have the same point of view that maybe just because we're getting this again we're, we're getting more of it perhaps i should be happy about it i really don't like what jack just brought up about the idea that they could only give put their vision forth through live action and not animation to me that's just absurd especially with what netflix is allowing their animated series to be and become that i find that to be just absurd and it just seems unnecessary to to remake something that wasn't broken in the first place that series whether or not you enjoy legend of Korra. it, Andrew, Avatar I have to say, an excellent standalone series. This Netflix series feels more like a cash grab than anything to me. Yeah, this oh, oh, like oh, I mean, I mean, don't, don't. I mean, the the way I felt about Korra at the time was was a cash grab, and, and I think it was to some degree because I think that a lot of money was thrown around. And There's I also still think some that, thought involved. It's not a wholesale and, remake. And and also, I thought that that they were trying to prop up the graphic novels at the same time with Dark Horse. And they, they, there was a lot of corporate stuff going on. It, they tactically planned out Korra to be a prop. And then they also purposely released graphic novels that are now coming out that deal with Korra. They, this, the, the way they scheduled that with Dark Horse and their deal with Dark Horse, which produces their comics, made them a lot more money than, than, than reality. And that all happened around Korra. And so they, there was a reason how they set that up. And Without a doubt, the Netflix deal is a complete cash grab, and it also keeps their thing relevant. And, I mean, it, it, it's concerning because what happens when you get a bunch of people who are really good at doing TV shows coming into anime and the American track record with live-action anime-like or anime shows is horrible. Not I would not good. bet on this i don't think that that there's been anything that's been decent the the only thing that's been decent is that netflix does know how to produce shows they know how to produce million dollar shows they know how to produce hundred million dollar shows they know what they're doing and we we've seen a lot of cool stuff come out of netflix like sense eight we've seen orange is the new black is killing it i mean there are others that that, that are doing really well on that and so a lot of cool stuff comes out of netflix and 
they know what they're doing to some degree. And I mean, Bill Burr speaks about F is for family came out of that. And he talks about how that works and really interesting. So I have faith that Netflix doesn't want to let this go to hell. But at the same time, I guess I just have one question that I'd love to know from Netflix. Why couldn't this have been another animated series in the, in the Avatar universe? That's how I feel. Here's my question to Netflix. When does it end? When do you stop? I don't think this is necessary. But my question also to you two is, are you going to check this out? Are you going to keep your eye on it? Are you interested in any sense? I'll probably I'm catch the first episode to- or so. Maybe I'm definitely one or boycotting two. it by sheer principle, but I think I mean I, I'm I think the one two episode it. test is worth for people who are interested. But I'm just I can't I can't for for that. whatever sort of journalistic objective standards I may or may not have. I will watch maybe one or two just to get a gauge, just Let for the sake know. of journalism. But that's Look, it. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to watch it. Okay, you know but, it is? but but I'll I'll put it this way: if the first episode is okay, I'll watch episode two, and then and then once once if if you then watch episode two, three, and there's like eight episodes, you might as well watch the rest of it. But at the same time, I mean, I'm probably going to watch the entire thing because I just like watching Netflix stuff, and I'll just binge watch it mm-hmm. in a day. And you know what is? I'm going to give it a shot because one thing I've learned is you don't bet against Netflix. Netflix, 90% of the time, does a decent job with their shows. Not everything is perfect by, by any means. I mean, there, there are issues with Orange is the New Black. There are episodes where it's just like, this is a rough episode to watch. And this Well, is I mean, good. I just got through saying that like Netflix shows would be interesting to see in a theatrical setting. You could have a screening of a whole season and it would work because they know how to structure a really excellent what happens next what this is going to be is that this is going to be a gigantic movie basically whether whether it's part of book one whether this could be interpretation i don't know this will essentially be as big if not bigger in terms of production as sense eight was which was a massive production Uh, sense eight was more expensive than game of thrones perhaps holy cow yeah. It was about nine million an episode to me. And speaking of money, Avatar: Last Airbender complete series on Blu-ray is thirty-six ninety-nine online. So uh, for buy that and watch ninety-nine on Amazon. Actually, okay. So mine. yeah, yeah, <laughs> thirty literally, bucks. Literally, I'm staring at it right now. I just the entire it up. thing. Do it absolutely. Just do that. It's great and it's Please amazing. Support the official release and maybe uh, I mean, there's really no way except for just to watch a series. But I mean, just. <laughs> Throw Check money at one. things you like. Check out season one of Legend of Korra. See how you feel about it. Get back to me. At call me DJM on Twitter. Sensei, it's good. As we mentioned. Sensei was good. amazing. I'm so upset that series got got killed. And, and, and it was just too expensive. It is so what it is. They, we they appreciate what we have. They could have gone for another two seasons easily. Easily. I need to catch up all the way, but I definitely enjoyed what I've seen in the first season, but now, holy th- there cow. Is, there is a story here, guys, that I, I will let you two uh, talk yeah, a little bit about. This. And, and a- as, a, as a producer of a sports podcast, I'll jump in in a minute. But uh, this story here from the Overwatch League, uh, they announced 
eight new teams, eight new franchises, uh, two in China, uh, one in Paris, one Toronto. Word. One mm. word describes it all. Money. Money. Yeah, obviously. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's that's the only hey, word that describes it. Can you blame them? It's Overwatch. Overwatch. And it's great. It's great. cash cow it's, that keeps on it's milking. It's great. It's great. It's amazing. And I'm loving it. I'm loving every second of this. I'm stoked for it. I mean, it's 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 amazing. I hate to cut everybody off, but this is like no, you're, thing. you're you're fine because this no. is this is basically getting Overwatch has been one of the most mainstream, you know, massive shooters. It's like that and Fortnite it basically is, are owning the online you community. Could, you can make a case that, with the exception of League of Legends, right now in 2018, Overwatch and the Overwatch League might be the biggest competitive gaming. Uh, viewing experience in the world in terms of just numbers and excitement uh, despite my bias towards fighting games uh, what Overwatch Likewise. League is doing right now is is pretty massive save for League of Legends and the fact that they are able to expand like this and get more teams and more franchises and more sponsors it's it tells you that there is a competitive angle to this and it tells you that people are thirsty for more competitive gaming. I don't say the E word. It's called competitive gaming. Competitive uh, and, gaming. Thank you. Yes. Thank uh, you. And, and I'm oh getting God, the guys. Other- I'm getting the guys at Sports Odds and Ends, SportsOddsAndEnds.com, to start saying competitive gaming. We don't use the E word here. We don't use that word. It and feels condescending. Because it is. It is. It, it absolutely that, is. Like, you tried. <laughs> that word, it was made by people that don't appreciate the work that goes into uh, being great at video games and competing at the highest level in the world. As but someone com- who loves fighting games and speedrunning, it's it's absolutely a ma- massive amount of effort and work into doing it. But, um, Sorry, guys, I, I want to ask you, uh, just from the sports angle side of this, uh, do you see this becoming, I guess, more since this is expanding to more cities, do you f- like the angle of having teams everywhere that people can root for? Like, I love the idea that eventually, uh, in the case, l- let's just say Overwatch for an example, uh, if I have an Overwatch team that's in the Overwatch League in Detroit, to me, that Detroit, would be awesome. Yeah. I would love that. Oh, and and there's one in Washington D.C. So if you're from Washington D.C., you can you can root for these guys. And eventually, if it gets to the point where this becomes big enough, it can be like you have these guys that are in your hometown. You can meet and greet with them. They're a part of the community, just like regular sports. What they're and doing, what they're that's really to cool. Do. What they're planning to do is that they're actually instituting home games and away games. So season one of the Overwatch League was all the games took place um, pretty much in Blizzard Activision Stadium, the, the venue they built. What they're planning to do, whether it's in 2019 or 2020, is they're planning to have home games and away games. So That's they're the have coolest games. shit ever. That is yeah. so cool. Yeah. They're going to have games in Paris. They're going to have games in China, Toronto, Vancouver. They're going to have games in New York. They're going to have games in Boston. And what that's going to do is that that's going to change things because you're going to now have people traveling. You're going to have events. You're going to have commerce. 
I mean, you think you might that have to build Washington... venues for it? Yeah, like special venues to. for the screens and everything. Yeah, I, I'm, I want to, I want to like, build that. Want to build with, the stage? Holy fuck! I can, I can tell you with the fighting game world, with uh, different communities in different regions across the U.S., this is definitely a thing that happens. Uh, a lot of the fighting game community and a lot of that competitive scene is very, very regionalized. And what Jack said, like building places for people to play the games and, and have screens and all of that, it's definitely a thing that happens. And like whether you're from the Midwest or whether you're from NorCal or SoCal or, or New York or from the South or Atlanta or Florida, that's definitely a very real thing. And to see the Overwatch League adopting this, that is so cool. It really does feel like they're taking things from the competitive fighting game scene with that regional feel and pro sports with localizing teams and home and away games and that real competitive feel. That is so, so cool. That is so it, cool. It, it, and you know what? It's, it's going to be really interesting because now you're going to have a championship is actually going to mean something for these cities mm-hmm. where you're going to now, because if you have home and away games, that means that if the DC team or or the China team or the Vancouver team or, or New York Excelsior, if they win a champion and they have like their own venue and their own stadium, I mean, that's kind of really interesting where now it actually means something more. And now this thing actually means something. And also you're adding more competition and, I mean, now it's becoming international. It wasn't really, I mean, what, they had maybe two international teams before? And now we have, I think, like, like they added, like, six or seven more. There's eight total. And so now you're encompassing more of the world. I, oh, go ahead. And I just think that that's a really good thing because it shows that, you know, video games are a uniter, not a divider. Now, looking at the photos in in this uh, article here on Fortune.com, like the the thing that really strikes me, and of course gets my gears really turning, aside from the idea of a really nice venue, you know, the stage builder in me, the stage hand, you know, painting and building these sets is just going bonkers. But also, uh, there's people with signs, you know, and they're in cosplay. And uh, David, you know how much I like to cosplay. If this kind of thing happens, you know how much I love whole... big hype sports events. So yeah, so yeah, and exactly that. So I'm thinking like also signs. from the spectator, the spectator point of it of having this great spectacle, and you have people who will show up with their nice crafted signs and their cosplay. And you know, there's me on the sidelines who has so many costumes and not enough time to wear them all on my person. And I think, wow. That'd be an amazing thing to go to because then you have people who show up and maybe they've got a player they really like who mains a certain character or their cosplay. Like, ah, I just and the side. Ah, and and just, Jack, uh, imagine, say, for example, you get a Overwatch League team, say, in like Sacramento, which, which maybe maybe not be close to you, Sacramento, and no, it's I'm somebody that you you know. Or it's somebody that, you know, maybe one or two degrees of separation you, you might associate with. And that that is someone that you could see and relate to on a local level playing on the biggest stage in the world. And then you can go to an arena and see them 
in cosplay have a sign and cheer them on and that is that is the coolest shit in the world i mean i'm even just thinking that i live in dc so i'm getting an overwatch team so now i'm gonna go buy a jersey and i'm just gonna be walking around and you know i'm gonna be walking and i might be in a starbucks and somebody be like who's your main and then it just starts a conversation and then all of a sudden because all these people play and now you're wearing a jersey it's kind of like you know it, it I'm not a Nationals fan. I'm not a Redskins fan. I'm originally from New York, but you know, I if if, if I'm walking around in a Giants, you know, jersey, people talk to say, "Oh man, those Giants—they killed them last week. That was a great game." Or like you're just eating and like the game's on, like in a bar, and you're wearing a Giants shirt, or you're, now you're wearing an Overwatch shirt. So you might be like, "Oh man, who's your main? Did you see the game last week?" And like it yeah. starts a conversation, and so we're, that's we're building cool. communities, we're, people. We're building whole, communities. There's a and, whole new way to connect to games and show your your fandom in in a fun, healthy, creative way that gets you connected to other people. Again, you know, seeing a movie, an anime movie with friends and a, you know, a group of fans just get yourself out there and I'm so happy that this is being put into place. It's just just the coolest thing. It's crazy though cuz these franchises were massively expensive. The rumor is that they were like 50 to 100 mil a piece. Yeah, and and I mean I also think they're worth you know, every cent. Just people connect with they connect with the game, they connect with the characters, and it's so cool to see something like this is, you know, becoming uh, so much more than just a competitive. sport. They're expanding this as a competitive sport, and, and they'll make that know, money I'd back. Be, I'm so excited and, and, to see what might happen with possible other games. People might you know, get ideas for leagues of this kind of idea and people might start building games for the express purpose of com- competition, you know, aside from your usual fighting games, like David and I are fully aware. It, it'd mean, be super interesting to see. And of course, fighting game tournaments on this level. Can you imagine David? I I know someone that runs uh, Michigan masters here in the Detroit area. I, I know the guy and I, I hope for him that this is this is a sign of things to come because this is this is what I think lots of people that enjoy video games really want. They want to see video games being as <coughs> excuse me <coughs> being as much a part of the mainstream as anything else. I think that's what we're all kind of looking for is this idea of video games being this thing that are completely part of the culture just as a whole they have artistic merit and also there is a skill to be trained and honed and and developed through playing a game well it's so exciting (laughs) sorry you were gonna say something andrew yeah and and what, what i like about this even more is that all the owners of these teams, they're they're not video gamers, and I, and I think that's really good because it kind of shows that this is an emerging market, and we have all these people. I mean, we have you know the head of Kraft who who owns the Patriots. You know, we got one of the people from the New York Mets. He's the COO. He he, and we we now have Mark Ein is the DC team's um owner, and so. What I like about that is that it's pretty clear that this is an emerging market and it's a very new market. And I think that while the Overwatch League hasn't proven its track record yet because it's only their second year, mm-hmm. we're now starting to see serious money come into this. 
And we're now starting, to, I think, in many ways when you're buying a franchise from anywhere from 50 to 100 million. And then I believe the original franchises were about 20 million is the rumor and the unconfirmed. You know, that that's some serious money. And that reaffirms that, look, this is here to stay. This isn't a fad. And I don't think that it's nice to know that when something gets a lot of money, it legitimizes it and it almost anchors it into society. And it's nice to know as, as a player of Overwatch and I play casually and a little bit competitive, trying to get my skill points up, golden guns. Um, it's, it's nice to know that this is something that's going to be around for at least the next 10 years, if not longer. And that's something that is very, very reassuring. And it's just one of those nice things that I think Blizzard Activision has done. And it sends a message saying, look, the, the landscape of video games is changing because we're getting this massive franchises and money's coming in. But it also reiterates that this is here to stay and it's only going to go up from here. And there's no going and back. I just want to say one more time for everyone out there before we move on. Competitive gaming. Competitive don't gaming. The, don't use the E word, everybody. It's called competitive gaming. I don't want to feel like I'm at a little league t-ball game. Please make people feel like humans with skill. Thank you. Competitive gaming. <laughs> humans with skill. Can that be my competitive team name for Sacramento? <laughs> the, the California team is called humans with skill. <laughs> I know. I, I dig it. <laughs> we're we're over here to get away with it. We have some weird parlance. I don't understand how we speak. Uh, if, if, if you go and lobby for that, I'll totally... <laughs> buy a piece of that team like i got you right here now i'll buy a piece of that team because just the name alone the the amount of merchandising we could do oh it would be great you know it's it's interesting because uh i actually do know a couple of people who are fantastic and uh you know they're they're developing their competitive scene uh, a couple really close friends of mine and i'll be plugging a twitter of one because he just recently joined twitter so you can accost him about how he's doing on his Overwatch game, because, you know, he tries. Cheers, Patrick. But that all being said, big, big news, and I'm real jazzed. And also just the game and its characters and the message it portrays, you know, as a general tone, I like it very much. And I like that people are embracing the game in that sense, you know. And, and, and Bring us I together. Think, Have an optimistic think, future. Uh, and, and I think be, before we, we leave the Overwatch, I do want to plug something. At of Overwatch, um, New York Comic Con is coming up, and that means Pop Funkos are coming up. And GameStop has a really cool Reinhardt Pop Funko. It's six inches, and so it's really cool. So if you're really into Overwatch and you like Pop Funkos, uh, GameStop has an exclusive for New York Comic Con that you can pick up, I believe, on the 4th or the 5th. I'm sure that the internet will tell you the truth and when to pick it up. But piece of advice, if you're going to do that, get early to GameStop. 45 minutes before it opens to get your Reinhardt if you're into Overwatch. Just so everybody has that, or if not, go and get it on eBay. Reinhardt if, might be one of the ec most excellent characters in that series. That, so not series, franchise. It's just a piece of advice for everybody. I'm not getting any kickbacks from it or anything like that, So, because I'm getting my Reinhardt, and I don't want anybody to cry <laughs> when I put, put it on my Instagram, because it's going to be awesome. And there's no excuse not to get it. I feel the same way about Underhero. 
like 100%. And again, I, I don't have anything really to do with the development of the game. So, you know, yeah, I just really like the game. Please play it. <laughs> All right, guys. Last story real quick. We'll, we'll make this one quick. Uh, Sony is making his classic library available piece by piece. Uh, the PlayStation Classic is coming out with the old school PS1 controller and the PS1 aesthetic with a few classic PlayStation 1 games. PlayStation Now, uh, the streaming service for PS3 games and older games, uh, is now allowing games to be downloaded. I'll throw this around the horn for you guys. Uh, what classic PlayStation era games will say from PS3 back, if you had to pick two or three games, Jack, you first, from uh, PlayStation 3 all the way back to the classic one. Uh, if there were a couple of games you'd like to be brought back to the modern day, what would they be? Mm. Ooh. Well, I miss the Parappa series, but I think that's a pretty big mainstay in PlayStation. I mean, he's in the roster for PlayStation All-Star Fighters, so that's got to account for something, right? Um, I also miss the Klonoa series a lot, and I don't think that gets a lot of uh, acknowledgement from, from PlayStation. And I think I'd have to go with a fighter, wouldn't I? Ooh, that's so many to pick from from that era, though. Uh, get back to me for my third choice. I'll have to think, but... Uh, what are you thinking, Andrew? Oh, I'm going to go a bit classic. Yeah, I'm going to go with Crash Bandicoot because because I played that game. It's like one of the only PS games I ever played. Oh, and, uh, I still need to play that. I, fun fact: that's the thing. Never never watched My Neighbor Totoro. Never played Sly Cooper, Spyro, Sly, Crash Sly, Bandicoot, Sly, Sly or, was a good game too. Or Gex. Uh, n- the none gecko. of the old anthropomorphic animal PlayStation classics, Jack. You never caught any of those. Or Sonic. Apparently, and, I just wanted uh, Klonoa. I mean, I, mean <laughs> I, I, I like Sonic. I'm not a big PlayStation guy. I didn't get a GameCube until I was like 12. So, so, so. Well, I, I, I was, I was like on Game Boy. I never really experienced anything with a P- PlayStation. And then I legitly just got an Xbox One when it came out a little less than a year ago or maybe a year ago. So, so, you know, I will say that after I I had my Sega systems, uh, my first system after the Sega Saturn was a Sony PlayStation. So all you Nintendo kids are weird freaks to me. So for me, uh, I'm going to go all the way back to early, early PlayStation days. And there was a game called Jumping Flash. Now, this game, uh, on paper, it kind of looks like the old Windows Maze screensaver from Windows XP. But it's also a really well done, kind of cartoony 2D shooter where you are a robot rabbit named Robert, and you are fighting Baron Aloha in the name of Universal City Hall. It was a fun little first-person shooter kind of action-y game where you got carrots for health, you threw cherry bombs, and you bounced on enemies first-person style. And those are two games that I would get. Jumping Flash 1 and 2. Uh, the fighting game that, for me, really changed my life and my world, Tekken 2. 
I know a lot of people, for, for a lot of people, that was Tekken 3, but for me, it was Tekken 2, because the jump from the first Tekken game to the second was monumental, uh, whereas uh, 2 to 3 was uh, more precipitous, but still an outstanding game. Tekken 2, uh, that would be the one. And also, the Cool Borders series. Uh, I like the snowboarding games back in the day. I like those. Uh, the SSX games, and especially the Cool Border series. It was a very fun pick-up-and-play snowboarding game where you could get really experimental with your tricks, and it was very, it was very 90s, you guys. I'm just going to go ahead and say it was... Do an Uber trick! It was 90s as heck. It was 90s as heck. It was totally 90s alt-rock, but it was... So Would you much say it was fun. hella nineties? Yeah, it was hella nineties. It was hella nineties. <laughs> oh, Those SSX games. SSX Tricky is an amazing game. So Cool Borders one and two, Jumping maybe three, maybe three. Those are the things that would make this PlayStation Kids heart soar and sing. And if you want to add Spyro and Crash Bandicoot and some of the old Jack and Daxter games, those will be fine. Oh, Jack too. and Daxter, I didn't even think. Yeah, Jack and Daxter, the Silent Hill series. I realize Darkstalkers counts, so please. I am so deprived. Darkstalkers. I am so deprived. I never got to play on a PlayStation. And, mm. and the games that I play, I mean, I play a little bit of Sly. I played some Crash Bandicoot. I got to play a little bit of Spyro, but like nothing major like, like that everybody talks about it. I'm just like so like, oh, it's terrible. It's just it's just like I feel so deprived as a child. Well, a child. You, know, you might be able to get uh, the PlayStation Classic and have a few of these coming up soon in December. I'm going to have to think about it now. Like, like I'm going to be like, oh, you know, pick it up. You know, I don't know. It's It's just. Because I never got to experience that, and this is like early video gaming, and this is kind of like that era where, I don't know how we define it, but... Where it, if this was the era where we were first starting to go from 3D. 2D to 3D. This is this when is that was This is Mario beginning. 64 Crash Bandicoot era, so this is really breaking, this is and breaking Jack, out. Th- this is some of those early 3D fighting games. Like, you know, this is Virtua Fighter. Oh yeah, Virtual Fighter, Ooh, no doubt. Virtua Fighter, you hurt my spleen to look at. Uh, it was funny. I did want to mention really quick, David, that you mentioned Jumping Flash because I don't know if you're aware that has a very active speedrun community, which makes sense given the title of the of the game. It just it feels like the kind does. of game you'd think. Can I please beat this game in a Jumping Flash? By uh, God, what a rev- evolutionary train of thought but it, it's uh it was interesting that you mentioned such but you know this is this is interesting it seems like there might be some competition for nintendo because there are some things you can only get on a playstation console and also mm. and also what it is that people love to relive their childhood so you have people who are like 12 years old you know, back when when PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 were out, and then they want to relive the classics because they enjoyed it, and then they want to share it with their kids what, Mm -hmm. you know, Crash Bandicoot looked like or what Spyro looked like, and, you know, they want to mix it up, and then they're like, oh, man, those were the good days. I mean, 
when I was playing Super Smash Bros. on my GameCube, those were the good days. Like, because uh, there was no nostalgia worries. sells. Nostalgia sells. Uh, you know, it's also funny that this story came out because I've also been seeing a lot of advertisements for Xbox's streaming service. Have you seen anything about this, Andrew or David? Either of you? I, I haven't. So uh, well, what we is talked this? about this on a previous podcast, I believe. A little bit. What? A little bit. Uh, the xCloud game service just been seeing a lot of adverts for it and basically they're going to be offering uh, their library for streaming similar to the PlayStation Now situation and I don't know Oh, it just seems this is the time to really uh, expand on how I mean this is the three big gaming companies we're talking about here you know we're talking about Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo kind of figuring out how to repackage old product. So this is interesting to see them all kind of congregating and coming to the same conclusion. I, I'm I'm ready for some PS1 nostalgia. Uh, that yes. doesn't involve Final Fantasy VII. I, which yeah, is oh never God, coming out in the remake. It's, it's never not, coming. It's never I mean, coming out. Just play it, six and enjoy it and shut up. <laughs> eight, you infidels. Or eight. Oh my god, eight, yes. Just oh, skip seven. Man. Just go with Final the Final Fantasy. Final <laughs> Fantasy is its own beast. It, it really is. Nobody, we we don't nobody. have the time for it. I never had the time for Final Fantasy as a series. No, <laughs> so, me neither. My my only relation to, to, to Final Fantasy, and, and I'm planning to pick it up I don't, eventually, is uh, Kingdom Hearts. Because I would that's like close to, enough. I would like yeah. to go back and, and play out Kingdom Hearts. I would like to play all three of them. I mean, because the third one either just came out or it's coming out or it's whatever. The, the thing about Kingdom Hearts that I particularly enjoy over most of the conceit of the Final Fantasy series is that it keeps the tone, but it has that beautiful juxtaposition that David knows I like, everybody in the entire world knows I love, which is is just having the most serious life or death situations, conversations, battles, what have you, with Disney characters and anime characters. It's fantastic. And I think I, it's brilliant. It's it's such an interesting And eventually Star Wars characters. Because you and know that's they're gonna where get Star I draw Wars the line because I'm so exhausted. And I haven't really played much of the series, but I definitely enjoy it over just straight whatever Final Fantasy has been for the last decade or so, you know? So, uh, I don't know. This might be a really good way for us to all reconnect with old games or for me and other people who maybe never played stuff like Sly Cooper or Crash Bandicoot to give it a try. I mean, I've had my opportunity with Crash, but... I mean, one of the things... One of the things that just came out, and maybe it's about three months old... I don't know if you guys spoke about it, but Game Informer, which was owned by GameStop and it's its own magazine to inflate its position and whatnot, but they released like a top 300 or 400 game list. And one of the things that I would like to do is I would like to play at least the top 50. I think playing the top 50 would be fun. And so a bunch of those are classics. And so that's something that I think would be really cool. And even if you play it for like an hour or maybe like 10 hours at some point, you know, I think it's important to some degree to know your history and to know your top games and to know how we got to this stage. We have some amazing graphics right now in video gaming, but how did we get here? 
And I think I've been six is really good. I've been investigating whether through playing it myself or uh, observing walkthroughs when something is not in my price range or availability. Uh, I've, I've been looking through the entirety of a thousand and one games to play before you die, because you know, that's that whole game, that whole book series of the places, songs, everything like that. It's pretty in- intense, extensive. And, uh, you know, I found some really big gems like, uh, tune struck, which stars Christopher Lloyd in a full motion video game. So that's, well, partially animated, you know, kind of in the style of Roger Rabbit. Like, you'd never find that if you just looked for it by yourself. Come on. And so, you know, you're right. You stumble upon stuff that, you know, might have been lost to history otherwise, or you reconnect with something that is, uh, you know, historically significant for the time and just, I mean, we talked about it a little bit of uh, preserving history when it came to Nintendo dinging, uh, you know, these ROM sites and some of these games, they're never going to release again. And, you know, that'll be the last you ever see of them. So, you know, it's it's interesting to see this uh, resurgence, but how from, much of from, it are you get from from a personal level? I mean, I'm a big anime fan. I'm a big comic fan. I'm not as big of a video game fan. I actually left video games for about eight years i didn't play same due to the issues where unfortunately and i don't know if the two of you ever had this but sometimes and i spoke about this before sometimes you have somebody who is such a bad player and they're not a bad player as in they suck the guy was a good player who's so competitive ruined the experience would you use the everybody's favorite word toxic I'd say try hard. I, I, I would say obsessed with, with winning mm-hmm. and not understanding that, look, I mean, I, I don't play. My, my parents didn't go spoil me to buy me a bunch of video games. Every time, like, the kid was driven like a horse with a carrot to get video games. Well, and he maybe ruined you'd... it for me for, for eight years. And then it well, took me a while. And then I got my Xbox One and One X, and I love it. But But, you know... It took me. Well, there, there are always opportunities to to go back and find what you missed. And exactly. That, that sounds and, like what this know, is. Ain't no shame of taking a step back and taking a break from stuff. And honestly, you know what did you miss in eight years? I mean, Cuphead. So, <laughs> Another so, hero. So, I mean, <laughs> one one of the things for 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 me though is that even with that, I mean, I mean, I I missed a lot of stuff i mean maybe i missed 20 great games at, at most i mean how many great games are there in actuality in a span of 10 years there's really not that many i mean we're not going to get another game like overwatch for a while and they could throw money at games and they could push things like sea of thieves it, it, it has some money behind it but but it's not an overwatch i can't think of another game that was like the overwatch before overwatch was well, uh, I can think of one game, but I'm not well, going to mention yeah. it. <laughs> but, no. but, there, there are there are phenomenons, but they're <laughs> they're spotty and they're not always the same thing. So you know, you never know. I mean, and you I mean, can always go and catch up on the old games you did miss. And and so for 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 me, I'm a big uh, fan of history. I'm actually taking a class of uh, video game design history, and it's not about designing; it's just the history. It starts in October. It's a five week free course. And I just want to know about this because I think it's so interesting. I think it's so important to know 
how things got built, where things go, why, you know, how did we get from Pac-Man to Overwatch? It's a question. It's the same thing with anime. It's the same thing because if you don't know your history, I don't know how you can understand where we're going in the future. And I think if you're a video game person and you love video games, you should at least know your basic history. I mean, I think it should. It's not a requirement that, that you'll be like, it's a crime, but but I don't think you could really truly call yourself a fan. Like, I know the history of anime. I know the history of comic books. Like, I'm a fan of that. Like, I know the history. Do I know everything? No. But but I know enough that I, I can define what anime is. I can define what a comic book is. I can define where they started. I don't know my video game history, but if you're a big gamer, you should know that. I mean, you, you should know it. We always encourage our listeners to go out and read more than just the headlines to do the research if you care about something. So I think that's the best way to leave us. Uh, unless, David, you have anything more to say on this? Uh, I was just going to say, Andrew Davis, thank you so much for joining us on the anime podcast of thank some sort. You. Uh, you've been absolutely awesome. Uh, tell everyone else about the Pop Anime Comics Lounge and what else you've got going on. Well, if I owe you money, I don't know you to, to start out. <laughs> <laughs> but but, 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 but it, 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 if I don't owe you money, then you can definitely hit me up and, and check out my website. So I have a website called popanimecomics.com where I write about anime, comics, and pop culture. Um, I'm not supposed to do this, but, but, but I do have an article. I got a pre-release for a book called Justice League No Justice written by Scott Snyder and a few other people. And so that is coming out tomorrow, September 25th, whenever this is released. I don't know, but I got to write that ahead of time. And so that'll be out tomorrow, my review on that. And I'm really excited to give that. And I talk about a lot of cool stuff. And I'm doing a lot more book reviews and graphic novel reviews right now. I also write about anime. I write about comics. And I have a podcast, which is the Pop Anime Comics Lounge. And it's an interview-based podcast where I interview uh, voice actors from anime video games. Perfect example is that a lot of people in anime and voiceover do, um, they do anime, they do cartoons, they do video games. And so I interview them, I interview comic writers, comic artists, cosplayers, and my favorite is to do professional wrestlers because it's really fun to talk to them and it's so interesting. And <laughs> I, love, I love all of it and, and I enjoy that. And I got some pretty cool interviews coming out soon. I'm taking a hiatus. I'm hopefully coming back in November, loading up the truck, and I just did a Tal M. Klein, the author of Punch Escrow. So nice. if you're really into like sci-fi, hard science fiction books along the lines, and he's probably going to shoot me if I say this, but if you liked Ready Player One, um, that book gets Punch Escrow gets compared that to. That book is not. It's it, that book has flaws, but I enjoyed reading it, and and actually read it more than once. So. You it's know. a great, it's a great book, and it's a I fun mean, wish fulfillment. Like honestly, people need to realize wish fulfillment is totally valid to to read and experience. I think Overwatch, in a sense, is kind of like that as well. So, and so I got that going on, and so that's something to look out for. A bunch of cool other people, uh, third voice actress of Sailor Moon for for the anime fans who appreciate things oh. out there. So, so she she's really cool, um, and then. Uh, my website is Pop Anime Comics. My Facebook page is Pop Anime Comics. So I do a lot of anime cons, panels. And when I do them, I actually live stream them 
on Facebook Live. And so if you like my page, it's the Pop Anime Comics or Pop Anime Comics in the search bar. You'll see it. it's the first one that comes up. And usually my panels are there for two weeks and then I take them down and they expire because I'm a strong believer that if you can't make it to a con because you can't afford a ticket or you just can't make it for some reason or there's 15 other panels going on that you want to go to, um, you should still be able to see my panel. But I've done the same, have- sir. I, I have the utmost respect because I've done the same. But you don't have access to it indefinitely because that's also not fair to me. It's up for two weeks and then it gets expired. And I, I mean, I'm, I have a YouTube channel on. I mentioned this on my YouTube channel every single week. I said, guys, if you want to see it, you can see it here. And then uh, the link's yeah. down on my YouTube channel. But, but you know, and then, and that's then when it's Yoshi Star Spirit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, you could still find my performance on uh, a Gravity Falls related panel. Uh, from 2016 still on YouTube. So, I mean, you know, archive stuff. You got a lot going on, Andrew. And and then I have an Instagram. That's always fun. My Instagram is really just fun. And what, what I enjoy about my Instagram the most is I just put up Pop Funkos and comic books that I have. And I get books graded. And that's what I do. And then I have a YouTube channel. And my YouTube channel is really meant for my podcast. And I have a very uh, interesting panel which is really what my YouTube channel does now, where it's called Exploring Dystopia Through Attack on Titan, The Walking Dead, and Terranite 451. And what I've been doing with Attack on Titan is I'm legitly breaking episode by episode by episode down of season three as they come out. And I'll talk for anywhere from seven to 17 minutes, going through big ideas, breaking it down. And that uh, video series I'm doing on YouTube, it's nothing fancy. I'm not streaming the show or anything. I'm legitly talking about what's going on because I write about The Walking Dead weekly or, or monthly, I should say, with the comic stuff. And that addresses that component of my panel. And I might have to talk I, to you about a Walking Dead thing that I've been working on. I might have to talk to you about that. And then and then the Attack on Titan video stuff really deals with the episodes because when you have 50 minutes to do a panel and I'm going through a lot of complicated stuff, that's really what it is. So... Anything with Pop Anime Comics, my YouTube channel is Pop Anime Comics. My Twitter is at Pop Anime Comics. Website is popanimecomics.com, Pop Anime Comics Lounge. And I actually have something very cool to talk about, which I'm waiting for the approval to get my design approved by then. But I have a pro wrestling tea shop. And that is also. Oh, wow. And that's wow. Pop Anime Comics. And uh, my logo is really cool. The uh, If you go to my website, you will see my logo. And it's an elf. Sort of combination well, of a bunch of stuff. And she's Andrew, you've so, got a lot going yeah. on, so we're not going to take up any more of your time. Uh, everyone, <laughs> just look for pop anime comics in, in everything. And Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on APOS. And thank everyone out there for listening. Jack, thank yes. you for doing this podcast with me once again. Everyone out there, like, share, subscribe. You know the deal. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, your smart devices, all of those places. Look for by name the anime podcast of some sort, A to the P to the O double S. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jack D Tyler D. You can call I'm me actually DJM doing commissions on Twitter. right now. Oh. I did want to mention uh, I am opening up some special commissions right now. I'm working on uh, designing people's D and D characters. So if you're a big fan of D and D, you want to you know 
I'll pop a design over or a description. You know, I work with basically anything I have and I always approve anything that, you know, might be a little bit iffy. So you can work with me the whole way to design that. And, you know, it's pretty good price for a nice traditional drawing. I'm also going to go ahead and open up to, you know, any other kind of commissions, you know, I'm just open for those. So Jack D, Tyler D, rock behind the wheel on Instagram. Also, I've changed my Tumblr handle to that. It's basically just more of the same from Instagram, but there's that. And of course, Jack D, Tyler D on Twitter. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to APOS. We'll talk to you again soon.